You're listening to What Do Scientists Do? A show where I talk to a different guest each episode, and they teach us all about their favorite science topic. Along with each episode, we will also be posting activities that you can do at home. You can find those at bit.ly forward slash what do scientists do, or at scientistsdopod on Twitter and Instagram. My name is Jessica, and today I get to talk to Catalina, who teaches us all about plankton. What are the different types of plankton? Why are they so important? Let's find out. So hello, everybody, and welcome to What Do Scientists Do? It's a podcast where I talk to a different guest each week, and they teach us all about their favorite science topic. Today, I'm joined by our special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Give us your name and your pronouns. Hey, thanks so much for having me. My name is Catalina, and I go by they, them. And um, yeah. So what kind of scientist are you, Catalina? So I'm a biological oceanographer. What's that? So biological oceanographers study life in the ocean um, and are especially interested in how organisms impact the entire ocean. Uh, Me specifically, I work with phytoplankton. So what are phytoplankton exactly? So if we take a look at the word phytoplankton, um, it actually has two components to it, uh, which are Greek. And so phyto means plant and plankton means drifter or a floating organism. And so this plankton are basically any type of organism that uh, don't really have control of how they move around in the water. So they're uh, kind of at uh, the mercy of currents and waves uh, and that's the reality of their lives. And so the plant component is interesting because, you know, we look around uh, our world and we see green, uh, and that's because plants have uh, a pigment called chlorophyll, which they use to make energy from sunlight. And uh, just like plants, these guys, phytoplankton, they make energy from sunlight in the water. Cool. So you mentioned that they just kind of drift around. So unlike a fish that could maybe decide to swim somewhere, maybe to swim up a river or to swim somewhere to migrate, plankton can't do that, right? Exactly. They can't move around. Uh, They can't choose where to go like a fish would. And so that means that they're kind of at the mercy of the currents and also their like um, current situation. They have to deal with the light that they're currently experiencing. They have to deal with uh, if there is food for them around them in their current uh, condition. And so that's that's pretty interesting. And why are phytoplankton important? Phytoplankton makes up, make up the base of the food chain. Um, and, and that's really important because they are the organisms that make energy from sunlight. And they were also the first organisms on Earth to make oxygen. So about 2.5 billion years ago, Uh, On Earth, there was no oxygen before this event, but we had a type of phytoplankton called cyanobacteria, which actually produced all of, uh, they they created our atmosphere that we know today. And and that's very important for us because we need to breathe in oxygen. But their role at the base of the food chain is important because, for example, we can have other plankton, which are animals called copepods. Uh, which eat phytoplankton, and then fish can eat copepods, and sharks can eat fish. So that whole structure depends on phytoplankton uh, in order to exist. Yeah, so in some ways, it's the little things that matter, right? It's the hundreds and thousands and millions of teeny tiny phytoplankton 
that matter because without them we wouldn't have everything that has to eat them and eat the things that eat them and so on and so forth. Can we see phytoplankton with our eyes or is it something that you need a microscope for? Um, it would be pretty difficult to see most phytoplankton with your eyes and the phytoplankton that I study are particularly really small. Uh, they're about 10 microns long, which is pretty tiny. And uh, so, yeah, we do use uh, a microscope to look at them and see what they're up to. So I guess my next question is, what are they up to? What are you studying about them? That's an excellent question. So me particularly, I'm really interested in what phytoplankton need to survive. The field that I work in especially relies on the concept of stoichiometry. So what's stoichiometry? Stoichiometry is uh, the study of the quantity of the molecules that things are made of. Um, I'll, and I'll give you a little example here. Uh, if you've ever taken a vitamin, right, uh, you might have been given a vitamin and your uh, guardian might have said, here, you can have one or two of these vitamins. And it would be pretty weird if you ate vitamins all day. If you compare how many vitamins you're supposed to eat to the uh, amount of other stuff that you eat throughout the day, it's going to be a small, small portion of that. And, and so we're really interested in how uh, the nutrients that phytoplankton need in very small concentrations affect how they grow. And those are called micronutrients. You are studying like plankton vitamins, basically, as opposed to studying like plankton potatoes, the stuff that they eat mostly, which I guess for them would be the sunlight because that's where they get most of their energy. You're studying the tiny bits of things that they still need from the water around them in order to survive. Exactly. And, and you can imagine that it would be kind of hard to find a vitamin or something like it floating around in the water because there aren't very much of them. So we use these instruments called mass spectrometers to detect those vitamins in the water and also detect them in phytoplankton cells themselves. So what do the mass spectrometers look for? So a mass spectrometer measures mass and charge of molecules. So a mass is how much something weighs and the charge is what kind of polarity it has. And so knowing that information about a molecule lets us go out into this, the field or in our samples and identify them. Cool. So you kind of get like, you know what kind of charge, like a positive or negative charge, kind of like electricity that you'd expect to see on the molecule and you know how much it should weigh. And so you set the instrument to look for that specific thing and then it can find that for you, which is pretty cool. So we've talked a lot about plankton. Do you have just a coolest science thing that you've ever done? Yeah, well, recently one of my favorite things that I was involved with is that along with a few other people that I work with, we got the chance to build a planktoscope. So what's a planktoscope? Because I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so a planktoscope is it's an open source imaging microscope. So when I say open source, that means that anyone can access the plans to build this instrument. Um, and we usually use imaging microscopes to take pictures of phytoplankton, and that lets us know how big they are, 
what they look like, how many of them are in the water. And uh, an instrument like this um, could be very, very expensive. So the one that we made actually was much cheaper uh, and we were able to make it ourselves. Um, and so what's really interesting about that is that people who might not have access to that very expensive instrument could learn more about phytoplankton where they are uh, without having to spend a lot of money doing so. That's really cool because we actually talked a lot about open source stuff with Shane, who was on a couple episodes before you, because we talked a lot about computer science and open source things and stuff like that. But it's really cool that you can have that kind of free community, people solving problems for each other and giving people instructions for things other than just computer science. You can also have it for things like building an actual planktoscope. So that's really, really cool. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So you asked um, why it's important to study phytoplankton before, and we kind of talked about the food chain and also oxygen. Um, but I think another important thing to keep in mind is climate. So we as humans, when we do the activities that we like to do, like heating up our houses or driving our cars, we're burning fossil fuels. And Fossil fuels come from the ground, and it's things like oil, natural gas, that sort of thing. And those fossil fuels are made up of carbon. And when we burn fossil fuels, we release carbon dioxide. And you may have heard of this concept already, but uh, the world is getting warmer because of our production of carbon dioxide. And so phytoplankton, when they do their photosynthesis, they take up carbon dioxide and produce oxygen. So studying phytoplankton and the way that they work and how they use micronutrients is really important for us understanding how that input of carbon dioxide from our activities affects weather all over the world. Yeah, that's really cool because I guess there's so many phytoplankton that even if like if overall there's a tiny percentage increase or decrease in like how many phytoplankton there are there are there are millions and billions of them that must make a huge impact on how much oxygen they make and the entire food chain because of that. Exactly. And, and some people even like to say that every other breath you take comes from the ocean because phytoplankton are responsible for half of the photosynthesis in the world, which is a lot. Wow. Yeah, because we talk about plants and photosynthesis and how they give us oxygen all the time. But we don't talk about phytoplankton as much, even though they seem to be just as, if not more, important. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Catalina. Thank you, Jessica. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and just remember, phytoplankton need their vitamins too. And as always, a big thank you to everybody listening. For more science fun, you can check out our past episodes at bit.ly forward slash what do scientists do. Or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at ScientistJupod. That's also where we'll be announcing our guests for each episode. So if you have a question about anything, from microwaves to megalodons, you can tag us on Twitter or send us an email at whatdoscientistsdo at superstaff.ca. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Bye for now!
This podcast was made by Supernova at Dalhousie University, a network member of Actua. For more information on our summer camps, workshops, and more, check out supernova.dal.ca.